news and information keeping you connected the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. Support for WJFF Radio Catskill comes from the River Reporter newspaper in Narrowsburg, New York, riverreporter.com. From the Women's Health Center in Holmesdale, Hamlin, Waymart, Carbondale, and Lords Valley in Pennsylvania. Physicians and certified midwives who deliver. The Women's Health Center is a Wayne Memorial Community Health Center, wmh.org. And from listener donations at wjffradio.org. This is WJFF Jeffersonville Public Radio for the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. Stay tuned for uh, Trailer Talk. Support comes from Van Gorder's Furniture, featuring Lodge and Adirondack styles as well as rustic collections, with showrooms at Lake Wall and Poppock, downtown Honesdale, and Milford, PA. Van Gorder's Furniture brings the outdoors inside. VanGorders.com Tales Trailer Talk. I'll bring you all kinds of stories from all kinds of people. Whether it's a live public conversation and we're speaking from the kitchen table of my 1965 Beeline Travel Trailer, from the studios or on the streets, please sit back and enjoy the conversation right here this time every week. I am so happy to be speaking with G. Oliver King, who is a writer, an orator, and an actor. In this episode, I, I want to focus on the work that he's doing to bring historic figures to life, to bring Black history to life for audiences, for our listeners, and why. We are at the 155th anniversary of Juneteenth, which is June 19th. Juneteenth is an annual holiday commemorating the end of slavery in the United States. G. Oliver King orates, he performs the words of Frederick Douglass, who is a renowned abolitionist. He was one of the leaders of the movement for the end of slavery. And there are many writings that, uh, in particular about this, that he wrote between 1845 and 1855. I want to welcome you, Oliver, to Trailer Talk and to find out how this began for you and what you're discovering as you share the words of Frederick Douglass. Well, specifically, there was a General Gordon Granger, who was the, which Gordon happens to be the G in G. Oliver King, my first name. He was a Union Army general, and he was the one that we, that released the information to the slaves in Texas, specifically Gainesville, Texas, two years after the Emancipation Proclamation was issued by Abraham Lincoln. The news traveled around the country, but it took two years to reach Texas. The people there were overwhelmed with the information, with the news that they were freed, and uh, they had very specific uh, tenets in the uh, Emancipation Proclamation and the slaves in uh, Texas, who were really, Texas was one of the worst states for slavery, as we all know. And so when they were freed, they celebrated, and they considered June 19th, 1865, their Juneteenth. They decided to name it Juneteenth because of the date that they received this information. Oliver, when did you first learn about Juneteenth? It wasn't that long ago, um, certainly not through high school or uh, any of my education through, uh, you know, I went to Brooklyn College. I suppose I learned about Juneteenth probably in the mid-90s. That's interesting because it was around the same time that I started doing Frederick Douglass. There was an association, or there is an association, national organization called the Association for the Study of African American Life and History. And the group that was here in Sullivan County, uh, my mom had attended all of their celebrations, which were always held around the 14th of February, which is Frederick Douglass's birthday. And um, the first year that I was here, 1990, when I arrived in Sullivan County from Los Angeles, I went to the breakfast with my mom, and I was fascinated at all the acknowledgments that were being handed out, uh, scholarships for students, 
uh, prominent citizens in the Sullivan County community. It was a really big celebration attended by a couple of uh, two, 300 people and an amazing breakfast, I have to say, getting up. Uh, it started at eight o'clock in the morning on a Sunday, always somewhere around the 14th of July. So um, I said to them when I went to the first meeting, I said, oh, you're, you're talking about Frederick Douglass, but there's no real information being given about him. So I, I spoke with Dr. Howard, who was then the uh, president of the association here in Sullivan County. And I said to him, um, perhaps next year I could do an excerpt from one of his speeches. And they said, oh, well, you, you, we can give you five minutes. And I, I was like, oh, five minutes, okay. So um, the good thing was that each year they had a theme for the celebration. So I would find out what that theme was and then pick something from a myriad of Frederick Douglass's works that would relate to the theme that was selected for that year, um, whether it be uh, women's rights or whether it be education, whether it be family, whether it be religion, uh, whatever their theme for the breakfast that year was, I would try to find something that uh, related to Frederick Douglass's works and bring it to the people. And it went over very well. People were really pleased to hear it. So that started it. Frederick Douglass has a lot of writing. He's written, he's written three novels and um, over 20 speeches that are recorded uh, based on many different topics. So I was able to find something that related to the theme that the group here selected for their breakfast. And that's pretty much when I started to do Frederick Douglass. Oliver, what did you discover about Frederick Douglass? He's such a significant social reformer and abolitionist and orators such as yourself. What did you learn about him as you began to research his writings and then as you, as an actor, perform them? I believe as an actor, first of all, that it's a real joy to portray a living, you know, a, a living being, a person, an icon, a, a historical figure, because there's so much to work with. There was no recording or you know, a video at the time of Frederick Douglass's life. However, his speeches were written down and captured verbatim. Every one of his speeches is available and verbatim. And he had such passion. I think that's what I discovered about him, that he was a very passionate person starting from childhood. Um, he saw many atrocities as a child around him as a child born into slavery. Um, he was separated from his mother. However, his mother would walk a, a total of 24 miles almost every night after she finished working in the fields as a slave woman to visit her son on another plantation and to see that he went to sleep and that he was comfortable. And she did this all undercover, so to speak, uh, on the down low, as we say now. Um, of course, if she had been discovered, she would have been terribly, um, terribly punished. So she would walk 12 miles back and forth to visit her son, see that he fell asleep and that he was safe and that he was healthy, shower him with love. And once he fell asleep, she would leave and go back to her plantation. He'd wake up in the morning and she'd be gone. But he knew that she'd be back. And this was all done very secretively. Of course, Frederick's father was the slave master. And um, his mother shared that with him when he was very young. Um, she pretty much told him but she, uh, you know, that was never a real uh, something to talk about. Mm -hmm. Children were always separated from the mother so that there was no bond between the slaves and their children. And when did your interest in Douglas begin? And are there any other historic figures that you have taken an interest in? Well, absolutely. Um, Frederick Douglass uh, began pretty much in the, in the uh, early 90s. Um, I had read very little about him in high school and college uh, through history. Um, a lot of African-American history is not included in American history books. I learned about him, you know, superficially, so to speak, and I knew he existed, and um, I was always interested in learning more. So when I attended this uh, Frederick Douglass breakfast, it really was a motivation to really find out more about him. That's pretty much when it started. As far as other historical figures, uh, I've done Martin Luther King, um, his two greatest speeches, the I Have a Dream speech and the I've Been to the Mountaintop speech, which was given just the 
I believe the day before or a few days before he was assassinated. And he talks about the fact that he could die at any time. And then recently I did um, the entire novel written by James Baldwin, The Fire Next Time. Ah. I did that as a reading for the uh, Hurleyville Performing Arts Center. I just did that uh, at the beginning of this year. So, yeah, that's pretty much where I've been focused. But Frederick has so much. Frederick Douglass has so much to to, to give that um, I'll probably never be able to do all of his works. But uh, between his novels and his speeches, there's a lot there. So I've I've been pretty much focused on him. Um, there's a lot of different things. I mean, I was born January 31st. He was born February 14th. So we were under the same astrological side of that means anything. And, um, you know, I feel an affinity with him because he was a very powerful speaker and he was very, very, very brave. And um, I do believe he had a quite astounding spiritual connectivity um, mm-hmm. because he knew as a child that he was determined not to spend his entire life in slavery. He knew at a very young age that one day he'd escape. He tried to escape uh, first time at age 15, 16. And he finally, he tried three times to escape. I believe the second time he tried, he spent time in jail, but he was not beaten or, or, or uh, you know, tortured or anything like they did at the time. Somehow he managed to stay in jail for several months without being abused. But he finally escaped slavery at age 20. At age 20, he escaped slavery and then he spent his life fighting for abolition, right? right? To, to free the slaves, absolutely. Free- to free the slaves. Why do you think it's important to portray historic figures? What is the relationship to what's happening now at present? And how does that connect to how you identify? Well, let's see. That can be answered so many different ways. But I think the fact that people are not totally aware They believe the Emancipation Proclamation sort of came out of, you know, uh, Abraham Lincoln just decided to do this, but he was actually had to be pushed into it. And Frederick had a lot to do with convincing our former President Lincoln to um, actually sign the Emancipation Proclamation. Mm -hmm. Um, Lincoln had some emotional connections as a child, too, to slavery. And um, it was part of his, you know, being a lawyer and everything, it was part of his life's work also to bring an end to this injustice, but he just didn't know how to do it. And finally, uh, Frederick Douglass stepped up and said, you know, this is what we, this is what can be done. Um, the Underground Railroad had already been started. There were so many different ways that people were uh, trying to bring this injustice to the forefront and say, this can't happen. This is not right. And Frederick was uh, motivated by the fact that he learned to read. It was against the law to teach a slave to read or even to learn to read. If if a slave learned to read, they were severely punished. But Frederick, as a child, as a young man, uh, probably eight, 10 years old, maybe he was uh, living with a slave master and he was working in the house with the slave master's children, two young boys. And he would sit in the background and hear the mother teaching the children how to read. And he would learn to read from that. And when he had time, he would steal uh, magazines and books and things and hide them and try to learn to read. He was successful in learning to read. And once he learned to read, he was there was no stopping him after that. How does what you're describing connect to what's happening today, This this legacy? So both culturally, but also for yourself, your personal history. Being born in New York, I feel I was rather uh, fortunate in having been born in New York. Uh, my mom and dad, my mo- my mother is from South Carolina, and she was a, uh, a descendant of slaves. Um, my dad's history is a little vague. We don't know everything about him, but he was originally born in Virginia. So they both have ancestry connected to slavery, of course. Every African-American in this country does. Mm-hmm. I think the fact what's happening today is the fact that we are trying to hold this country accountable for the 
um, just for the injustices that were wrought on our ancestors. There was no reason for it except there was greed. I think the main reason that slavery was so popular was because it helped people make millions of dollars in industry and in, uh, you know, real estate and in farming back in the day. Obviously, the people who were owners of all of this wealth were not able to do the work themselves. I mean, we built the White House. We built, uh, you know, many institutional buildings. We built uh, the colleges and universities. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we mined for gold. Uh, we built the ships, um, all that was done on the backs of slaves. So we actually built this country mm-hmm. and we were treated unfairly for it. I mean, we weren't giving anything. We were, we were treated like animals, you know, um, like oxen. And to this very day, there are still some discrepancies that exist in this country around the fact of our race, you know, because we were slaves, you know, we were uh, being held back in many different areas. I personally... I know of several instances throughout my life where I felt that I was uh, held back from something. And I think I would be in a different position, of course, if things were different for me throughout my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't hold, you know, the, the race car totally responsible for that. Um, a lot of it has to do with uh, family and, and all kinds of other things. But, yeah, um, I think the movement today, the Black Lives Matter movement, Mm-hmm. is still focusing on the fact that some of the promises that were made in the Emancipation Proclamation and the Declaration of Independence mm-hmm. for the citizens of this country were not being afforded to the African-American population. I mean, even when the Emancipation Proclamation was written and said that, you know, slaves are free, they still had no access to anything that would further or better their lives. They were still being held back. Oliver you are bringing to life historic figures, and we're talking about your performance, your oration of Frederick Douglass's words, his writings. And I'm wondering if you can share with us what you consider to be the legacy of racism and how, you, by portraying Frederick Douglass, sharing his words, his vision, his actions with audiences that you are addressing this legacy of racism in the United States. His intent was to end slavery and eliminate racism based on slavery. Mm-hmm. Most of his work is, is based on you know, bringing equality among the people of the country. The Declaration of Independence and the Emancipation Proclamation spoke to the citizens of the United States And Douglas was very clear to point out that you say anyone born in this country is a citizen. So all of the slaves born after a certain period of time, I mean, slavery started in the 1600s. So by the time the 1800s rolled around in the late 1700s, millions of black people were born in this country and they were citizens of the United States. And I believe that Frederick Douglas was trying to point this out to the government of the United States, whichever president was in power at the time. And in Frederick Douglass's life, he saw many, many presidents be elected. So he was speaking to the government of the United States to hold them accountable for not treating black people as citizens. You know, anyone born in a country is a citizen of that country. I'm interested to learn then how this resonated for you. You have been traveling in this county and the region performing the words of Frederick Douglass. And I'm interested to learn what this means for you. What are you hoping to activate in people that are listening? Just to let them know that this struggle has been going on for over 200 years, that it's nothing new. It's nothing um, inappropriate that we are fighting for the same rights and the same legacy that all citizens of this wonderful country should have access to. I mean, in in his uh, 4th of July speech, he says that there is a disparity between what you denote as citizenry. You know, we are citizens of this country, so we have the same rights and we should have the same access to all that this country can offer. Oliver, would you like to read the 4th of July 
speech? Do you have that available? Um, I do have it available. Let me just pull it up. This is his 4th of July speech where he talks about what the Declaration of Independence actually means. And he goes through how it came to be and how the citizens of this country broke away from the tyranny of Great Britain, but how the slaves were forced to celebrate, although they had no freedom. So there's a disparity, a discrepancy there. But he says, um, what to the American slave is your 4th of July? I answer a day that reveals to him more than all other days in the year the gross injustice and cruelty to which he is the constant victim. Mm. To him, your celebration is a sham. Your boasted liberty, unholy license, your national greatness, swelling vanity, your sounds of rejoicing are empty and heartless. Your denunciations of tyrants, brass-fronted impudence, your shouts of liberty and equality, hollow mockery. Your prayers and hymns, your sermons and thanksgivings, with all your religious parade and solemnity, are to him mere bombast, fraud, deception, impiety, and hypocrisy. A thin veil to cover up crimes which would disgrace a nation of savages. There is not a nation on the earth guilty of practices more shocking and bloody than are the people of these United States at this very hour. Go where you may, search where you will, roam through all the monarchies and despotisms of the old world, travel through South America searching out every abuse, and when you have found it, lay your facts by the side of the everyday practices of this nation and you will say with me that for revolting barbarity and shameless hypocrisy, America reigns without rival. That's the end of his uh, 4th of July speech where he really nails it down exactly that yes. he says that America is false to the past, false to the present, and will be false to the future. False to the past, false to the present, false to the future. This is G. Oliver King, who is reading from Frederick Douglass. This is the 4th of July speech. It was an excerpt from that. So false to the past, false to the present, false to the future. It's 2021. We've just come out of many complicated occurrences in the United States. I'm wondering how you will take the speech that you just shared with us and if you could relate this to where we are in this present as we move into that future that Frederick Douglass is referring to. Well, it seems that there's still many people in this country that have that mentality of slavery, not the African-American community, but the white community. And they feel that African-Americans are sub-citizens, that naturally we're going to be doing something wrong all the time. You know, we, we've come up with some humorous things like, you know, DWB, driving while black, where you can be pulled over and hassled and harassed for something or nothing, something simple. I've had it happen to me a few times. It's something that we want to stop you know, that we want to put an end to. And I think that's what the Black Lives Matter movement really mm -hmm. focused on. There are so many young African-Americans, young and I would say, I, I wouldn't say old, young, middle-aged, male, female, who are m murdered by police officers in several cities around the country, yes. you know, for the least, the, the smallest offenses. Yes. Um, the, this, the, the, the discrepancy of, you know, the, the amount of time that a young African-American male can spend in jail for the same offense that, uh, let's say, uh, 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 his white counterpart. And these are such important points that you're bringing up. And um, 
and painful ones that definitely need to stop. It seems that through sharing the words from a Black American, a renowned abolitionist, that by bringing him to life through his words, through your performances, that you're hoping to do something. To educate the young African-American population about this particular icon in history. The history books don't cover enough about him. They may have a small, you know, few paragraphs about Frederick Douglass in the history books, which have been all over the past 15, 20 years. So much is eliminated, not in the history books. You hear, you know, chapters and chapters about George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, but, you know, where's Frederick Douglass? He may be one person, but he is one of the most significant people in the history of our race in this country. And I think that... Well, such a significant person for the country. Yeah. Uh, for everyone in, I, in I the think country the, as a social reformer, an abolitionist, a, mm-hmm. a writer, right? A statesman. One thing I want to point out, too, that he was always very positive. He wanted everyone to benefit from what he was saying. He wasn't trying to separate the races or say, you know, you go over there and we go over here. He wanted people to be together in a country And he believed that this was one of the greatest ideas for a country on the planet. You know, he wanted America to live up to its true creed, that all men are created equal. He he wasn't saying that, you know, you're wrong and you should die and we should, you know, fight each other. He says, no, live up to the true creed of what you are putting on paper, the Declaration, the Constitution, in the Constitution, and that the country, in order to live up to its true creed, should, should honor that decree. They took the time to write it on paper and to enforce it and gain that independence from a tyrannical government, Great Britain, and um, they weren't living up to its true creed. And he wanted to make people aware of that. And I think that's still kind of happening today. I think that's where it all ties together with the, the Black Lives Matter movement. Let's still keep this going. You know, let's bring it to the forefront, talk about the injustices that have happened, admit to them, you know, why hide them, you know, why ignore them? These things happen and people should know. So I want young people to know that our history didn't start with slavery in this country, that they should look beyond the beginning of our history in this country, where we were brought over here in slave ships, but, you know, we were taken from a, a wonderful beautiful civilization in Africa that they should know about. They should know about the beginning of our existence on this planet, not just where we started with slavery. And I think that would do a lot to improve self-esteem among the African-American community. And young people should hear these things. They should know. Oliver, I'm wondering if there's anything you want to share with us before our conversation concludes. Juneteenth, Um, As we said in the beginning, is when the state of Texas learned of the Emancipation Proclamation. And this Juneteenth, 2021, happens on a Saturday. And I will be reading um, excerpts from this 4th of July speech at the African Burial Ground in Kingston, New York, which is uh, an address on Pine Street, Harambe, Kingston, New York. Uh, Harambe is a Swahili word that means unity or working together, coming together for a purpose. And they are sponsoring this event. Uh, The burial ground is where many uh, former slaves and some of their descendants were buried in Kingston. They were looking to fill this area in and build on it in the city of Kingston, and the people refused to allow that to happen. So they formed this organization, they preserved the cemetery, and they're looking to get uh, national recognition as a landmark. This Saturday, June 19, 2021, we'll be celebrating, we'll be commemorating uh, with a Juneteenth celebration there at the African Burial Ground in Kingston. Harambe Kingston, New York dot org to find out more about that and also to find out more about that burial ground. I want to thank you so much, Oliver, for taking your time, for sharing the words of Frederick Douglass, and also sharing your thoughts about bringing 
a historic figure to our present and what we can learn from those speeches and from those writings of Frederick Douglass. You're very welcome. And thank you so much for inviting me. It's been a pleasure to talk with you, Sabrina. I've been speaking with G. Oliver King, who is a writer, an orator, and an actor. He was sharing with us the words of Frederick Douglass, also the history of Juneteenth. From the kitchen table, out on the road, I'm Sabrina Artell. Thanks for joining me for Sabrina Artell's Trailer Talk. The music for the show, Patti Smith, People Have the Power. Trailer Talk is produced by Sabrina Artell. For more information, please visit trailertalk.net. Special thanks to WJFF Radio Catskill and the numerous people who have donated their time, resources, and conversations to make Trailer Talk possible. Thank you all who joined me in these conversations. I'm Sabrina Artell. Safe travels. I'm Jason Dole, program director here at Radio Catskill, and I'm just reminding you that our fabulous online auction is happening right now. Go to WJFFRadio.org. You can't miss the button that says Bid Now. You click on that, and then you can uh, sign up, register to bid, and start looking at the great things there. In fact, in the time that I've been telling you about this, I've pretty much got myself registered here. But don't worry. I'm not going to bid against you on any of your items. Radio Catskill's fabulous online auction is happening now. WJFFRadio.org. Welcome to Sabrina Artel's Trailer Talk. I'll bring you all kinds of stories from all kinds of people. Whether it's a live public conversation and we're speaking from the kitchen table of my 1965 Beeline Travel Trailer, from the studios or on the streets, please sit back and enjoy the conversation right here this time every week. This episode is an homage, a tribute to the trout parade that happens in my neighborhood. It started in 2004. I've been fortunate to be there a number of times with Trailer Talk. I'm sharing an episode from the cupboards of the talking trailer because I'm thinking that during this time of COVID, of the global pandemic, we have all gone through so many shifts and changes, so many losses, a reckoning. When I think of the celebration that happens in the small town of Livingston Manor, it reminds me of how we are all connected to each other, what has come before, what is happening now, and what we will look forward to in the future. Everyone loves a parade. Well, at least I do. I've already been to two parades this summer, the Trout Parade in Livingston Manor, New York, with Trailer Talk, and the July 4th parade in my hometown of Liberty, New York, where I marched with a big chicken. Well, more on that later. So, Here's the 7th Annual Trout Parade celebrating all that is fishy in the zany participatory community event in the tiny hamlet of almost 1,500 people that is located at the entrance to the Catskill State Park and sits on the banks of the Willoweemock River. The rain subsided. That magical trout sent a message to Mother Nature or something like that. Do you have a favorite parade? Please enjoy one of mine. There's a seahorse on stilts. My name is Elijah. Hello, Elijah. What a pleasure to have you joining me today on this Saturday of the Trout Parade. Where did you get your beads? Um, from somebody on stilts. Come in. Come on in, you duck race fundraising volunteer fireman. My name is Wade Subbers. I'm from the Livingston Manor Fire Department. My name's Dick Trotty. Basset hounds, I love it. Okay, so I have three basset hounds, four basset hounds. One of them is looking to be adopted. This is part of the basset hound rescue of what, Sullivan County or? This is Nibelanic. The Mountain Tones, a volunteer community traveling marching band that you can see from one event to another throughout the Sullivan County Catskills, organized by Van Morrow, a resident of Livingston Manor. Introduce yourself Hi. and your dog. I'm Stacy, and this is Muggsy, my new puppy. Hi, Miss Barry Foster. How are you? <laughs> Infamous MC of the seventh annual, the seventh annual. Please have a brownie. Okay, so how have you seen this parade evolve in its seven years, Barry? It has certainly evolved, hasn't it? Um, 
It sure has. Yeah, we, a, I'm we just going to close. We sure the first year whether it was going to work, you know, but it is really amazing how it has evolved. We're just going to keep doing it. I like it. It's real zany. It's real different. <laughs> it sure is. Okay, I just saw a seahorse on stilts. You did. I did. Stacy's eating your brownie. The brownies are so good, Serena. <laughs> how do we Thank characterize you. it, Stacy? Well, it, um, it really brings out the, um, the wacky side of Livingston Manor, which is so fun. You know, I live here, and, um, you know, most of the time it's just a very nice, respectable little town. And on Trout Parade Day, you find out uh, everybody's secret wildness. I, I see my neighbors, um, my across-the-street neighbors dressed in a cat-in-the-hat hat. Hi! And, uh, Hi! You know, you just you see a side Good of people you don't you. always Sorry, see. Sorry, Stacy. Hi! <laughs> While Stacy was talking, you know what I thought? I mean, I was born and raised here, so I'm 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 not a newcomer. Okay, so Stacy, you're a relative newcomer here in Livingston exactly. Manor. How many I've years? I've been here uh, six years now. And Barry, and I've been here on and off between everything sixty-eight years. Sixty-eight so, years. So what I see, uh, Sabrina, is the influx of new people in this village, who own stores: Morgan Outdoors, Willow and Brown, Flower Power. Hamish and Henry. Just uh, we changed, have the art gallery cast the outside complex. the windows. It changed the complexion of the town for the better. You know, and uh, and I love all of these people. And what they brought here is not only zaniness, but a refreshing new outlook. You know, uh, sort of an, uh, a Chelsea yeah. kind of attitude, including my son. My son owns a Lazy Beagle. That's right. Wonderful restaurant you know? outside the front windows of the trailer yeah. here. I love to go get that beet salad. Yeah. So that, that, I think that has a, a, big, a lot to do with it. A lot to do with it. And it is, you know, it's an interesting small town parade, right? It's this kind of quirky celebration of artists and... You can do one. What? The <laughs> right, you Stacey, do. your dog you do. is really well behaved. Dog eating <laughs> Love clipboard. is blind. <laughs> She's perfect. So Barry and Stacey, it's so great. Hi, Nick. I see you outside the trailer. It, uh to have you both here, right, the relative newcomer and the kind of the old-timer old. <laughs> uh, here in Livingston Manor, New York. So what has kept you here, Barry? And well, Stacy, what brought you here and is continuing well, to keep I you here? Well, I love going up here. You know, my parents moved from New York City in 1938, so um, uh, it wasn't by choice. But I love going up here. I love going to school here. My children all went to school here. And, um, you know, outside of college and the Army... Um, I spent all my years here, and you know, roots roots are important, Sabrina. You know, you usually go back to what you love, and I really enjoyed it here. So I, I love living here. <laughs> really love it. And that's the answer. Dog eating the trailer table. Dog eating Poor table. Micah. Eating table. Thank you, Barry, for sharing that. What would you say are there challenges that we're facing right now? I know there's some things on my mind. Oh yeah, the uh, economy is a big challenge. Um, we have actually have five new stores. Which is absolutely incredible, you know, when you stop and think about the economy. The question is whether we can keep them all going year-round. It's a very right. seasonal place, and uh, we struggle, you know, for five or six months. And uh, if we can even that out, then I think we'll thrive. I really do. I'm going to go introduce the next band. Thank you. Tannis Kowalchuk from the NACL Theater in Highland Lake is the seahorse on stilts and is joining me for Trailer Talk. Now, this Have is... Have you had a stilt walker in your trailer before? Because I barely fit. No, I... I well, this is amazing. So the the Aztec seahorse... Oh, boy. So the seahorse from the sea and... Oh, and lots of thoughts about the sea. The poor sea. Our poor sea right now. So you are you have come from the sea as a messenger yes for this trout parade the 7th yes. annual one here in Livingston Manor and it is so fun and it's hard to go to those upsetting places like gastrilling and yeah. the sea and what's happening but in the midst of it all it's we see community and friends and people coming together and celebrating what we do have exactly it's a celebration and celebrating what we have which is beautiful clean water Gorgeous, gorgeous mountains and really good neighbors. Wonderful, wonderful people in our community. And so it is a time to celebrate, but it's also the time to contemplate possibly losing these things. Right. And so it's good. It's, it puts things in, in perspective and in relief. And yeah. Exactly. You, you expressed that so beautifully, what we do have and how valuable that is. 
our neighbors, each other, friends, this town, all of these towns and this region. You live in Pennsylvania. Uh, just across the river, the yep. Delaware River from Calicoon, New York. Work in New York, work in Sullivan County, run the theater there. And so, yeah, it's it's a wide-reaching, wonderful community. And, and yeah, these kinds of celebrations make us really appreciate where we're at and who, where, 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 we've, where we've come. I mean, this community is, a, I think, really done an amazing job building itself. Since 10 years ago, when I first came, I feel like there's, like, a lot more activity and cultural yes. events like this and and people really caring and making an effort to build build more more networks and more layers to who we are and where we are it's really beautiful and tanis you are an artist in this community you have a theater mm -hmm. and a theater company nacl in highland lake if you could share with us, uh, for you, the role of the artist and the arts here in this community, the kinds of work that you do, and how you're connecting. Well, I feel like the role of the artist changes as times change. And I feel right now that the role of an artist is to ask, the, ask questions that may be underneath the surface of our everyday thinking and thoughts and... Um, and activities. So I think really trying to to scratch be below the surface to explore issues that are maybe in our dreams or in our nightmares, um, and at the same time to celebrate the extraordinary and to to recreate it or create it or create the unimaginable as well. So I think service to society is one thing, but also service to the to potential and imagination is the other side of being an artist so and you are embodying that right now in as fact. <laughs> in, in fact as this the seahorse on stilts in did you make this costume i did well it's a combination <laughs> of uh, many different costumes actually oh my um, this oh, is yes this, this is the first this costume the body of this costume is the first um was in the first trout parade uh, worn by Jenny Litton, and she donated it to the theater, to NACL Theater, after the first Trout Parade. And so I've resurrected it. I've added a few more feathers and bells and whistles. Um, but then I have uh, some old old chicken stilts from a past chicken <laughs> costume, uh, which, I, which I've incorporated oh, these lo lovely feathers yes. into. And um, some other, really, I've just, just re really scavenged. And lace. And, uh, <laughs> it's basically the NACL costume attic, um, <laughs> which I have in been in that splendor. attic, and that is one fun place <laughs> filled with whatever you really you could imagine. Yes. You know, everything from, right, the beautiful lace dresses uh, every decade, it seems, yeah. from somewhere in the 1800s yeah. forward to uniforms yes, right? right and hats so military and uniforms. military recent <laughs> acquisition was naval naval uniforms crazy things well tanis i want to thank you so much for joining us thank you for having me and for being here sabrina as always you're an amazing presence at all of our events here and <laughs> interviewing people and just being here is makes this place a better place oh thank you so much and for bringing this beautiful seahorse <laughs> as well and i must say i have never had a seahorse on stilts nor a person on stilts joining me for Yay. trailer talk thank you <laughs> thank you it's great I have Evelyn Raymond in the trailer. So how many of them have you been to? I think this is my fourth. So your fourth parade, and what what is it about this parade would you say? Because you have been in this county for a long time. Since a, 1984, so it's not that long, but I think it brings people here because it's so unique, and it's there's no other parade like this, at least in our county, but it's I don't think even in the country. It's just such an interesting mix of people. People have even had weddings and bar mitzvahs That's <laughs> centered right. around the parade. I was uh, here with Trailer Talk uh, yeah. when the wedding occurred. Right, and, and the so, bar mitzvah was the year before, yeah. and I was like, wow, they they made their bar mitzvah coincide with the trout parade. That's right. Well, there's a spirit. <laughs> trout heads. To, right, trout heads. I know. Uh, well, yeah. I know, and and are the trout heads going to be in the parade? Because that was a fantastic costume. Really, the and years. the big statues, the big puppets. I mean, the hula hoopers, very, the... very creative, and I think that so every year is different.
Right. And it is a little bit different from the other kinds of parades yep. that are in the county. Of course, very different right. from a Independence Day parade, from a tractor parade. Right. Uh, so what, what would you say is like, because we all talk about this quirkiness of the parade. Yeah. So what is that? Is it the costumes? Is it the, uh, the puppets? The float? I think the freedom. Freedom okay. of expression. Freedom to be creative. I like that. Yeah. You know, beyond Halloween, you know, it's like. So it's, it's somehow lifting us up, right. isn't it, to be yes. something yeah. else? Something or? else or even who you really are, but it's okay to express it. It's just so people enjoy the, the uniqueness and being different yeah. and celebrating that. And Around I, the theme of trout, which <laughs> brings people to the county because that's a fresh. Now it's really important that we emphasize the freshwater trout. Take a look and, over there at those jugs yeah. that I have in the trailer. Yeah. They're oh, from yeah. fresh water. No, they're oh. not fresh water. Oh, not fresh water. They're from See? Dimmick, Pennsylvania. They're oh. from where they're doing the, the gas, gas drilling. And those are from a well where the casings are. Oh, how broke, important for And us they're to, polluted. Right. So it's even more important. And now the trap parade has actually become a political statement of what we want to keep in the county then. See, and that's very right. interesting. Uh, Whereas at one time it was quirky, now it's essential. So it's this exactly of what we cherish here, what we, what cherish. we value, what right. is precious in what these we resources. We're taking for granted now we can no longer take for granted that we have fresh water, fresh fish, fresh air, and we want to keep it that way. Aileen Gunther. The assembly person of the 98th Assembly District. Jerry Cohen. So Aileen Gunther, you are a regular at the at I this trout it. parade. I love it's it. It's the seventh annual. You nice. got to hula hoop again. This is a great day, and thank God it didn't rain. Oh, I know, and it's a wonderful celebration of everything that we do have. And right. People have been sharing with me, of course, the unique quality of the trout parade here in right. Livingston Manor. I mean, it really does. It's the playfulness of it, I think, and the extravagance of the well, costumes. People are having a really great time just walking around and going into all the shops and all the little booths around. And it's really it's nice, very nice. And also, we're celebrating that trout capital. I was up here to throw the first cast because I'm beginning a fly season at the Junction Pool. And, you know, as we drove here today, you notice all along the rivers, people fishing, and it's yes. just known all over the world for the great, you know, the sport of trout fishing. Well, and so important then, I'm, I have to bring it up. I mean, it was already mentioned, the gas drilling, but we're sitting in the trailer with these contaminated jugs yeah. of water from Dimmick, Pennsylvania, yeah. from broken casings right. at the... Uh, at the well sites. And so we do have this amazing resource in this county with the fresh water, with the wildlife, with the fish that bring people, that bring people here. My husband used to always say, like, water is life. And it truly is. And, you know, I, I think that you, you hate to have people polarized in two different directions when I think in everybody's heart is the same feeling about their love of Sullivan County and the love of the land and the environment. And, you know, thinking about not today and, and you know, they get a tremendous bonus for leasing their land, you know, $5,000 an acre, which is, you know, quite a lot of money. But and we really have to think a little further down the road and what, what impact that it'll have not only on the environment, on our economy. You know, many people come here, second homeowners, because of the beauty and because it's wooded and it's, you know, the, the clean water, rivers, Tour bike riding. Tourism is, the, is really probably the biggest industry in uh, this area. Right. And yeah. it would just, it would... I don't know. Well, and also, Ray, we're talking about such a small... Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. Well, because what what they're finding is that the areas where this drilling is happening become industrialized, so you lose the rural nature, small town qualities. You know, they do... If you think about driving down and you see some of the farms that are very interested in doing it, maybe on the corridor of 17B, and, you know, I've seen some pictures of what it looks in other places, and as you drive down and you drive to that incredible Bethel Woods and, and the Performing Arts Center, and then Stacy Cohen, of, of course, is building the Dancing Cat. That's a distillery, and it's going to have tons of music and fun foods. And then there are other people. They want to, you know, have an area where they're going to sell, you know, works of artists. So there's I'm a trying, lot. I'm trying to picture a big gas drilling rig right in front yeah. of, of the Dancing Cat Saloon. I don't think that wouldn't look good. I think it would, you know, kind of break ruin the whole. I think it might turn some people away. Right. Right? Well, I don't, I don't know much about the gas drilling thing, but I know that uh, throughout the country, uh, the water situation is getting worse and worse every year. On its own, just through natural, uh, yeah. well, not natural, but just through normal industrialization and commercial use. But to compound it 
like that would be really devastating, I think. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Hey, what's happening in the Gulf Coast? Isn't I've, that amazing? It's just, and you turn your head, don't you, when you see it? When you watch oh. that, that oil just spewing out? And you think about, you know, BP, and you think about Cheney, and, you know, g what greed does to people. And, you know, that's absolutely the cause was greed for a half a million dollars they could have done what the Netherlands did or Belgium did, that sonar that would have been able to shut that, that, that gas well down. And not to do that for a half a million dollars with all the profits that they've made. You know, to me, I heard on the news, I was listening to NPR, and a woman was calling in, and she said that, you know, they should be convicted for murder because of those 11 people that blew up in, uh, you know, at the Gulf Coast. 11 people lost their lives, and, and now people are losing their economic lives, whether it's the fishing industry or the animals that are dying every day. You know, no more oysters. You know, two-thirds of our fishing comes from that area. Right. And now there's that industry shutting down, which is really a terrible thing for the economy. I mean, in Louisiana, they've suffered through so much, and here's this is going to devastate them, too. Think, and they just started to turn around. I think that uh, another really big problem talking about that Louisiana thing and in relation to the gas drilling is the government oversight. And it turns out, you know, I'm in construction in New York. And when the crane disaster happened there a couple years ago, yeah. it turned out all these inspectors were on the take. It turned out that nobody was really watching the store. Everybody's being paid off. Then you find out this accident in the Gulf was the same thing, 600 violations against one well. The nearest company to get violations was six violations, okay? And one, one company only had one violation. This company had 600. Where were the inspectors? So what I'm worried about is with these broken casings and, and all the water leaking in and all the accidents that you hear about with the gas and the and the chemicals that we don't even know what they are that are being pumped into the ground who's going to oversee that and do you really trust the people that are overseeing it because at this point i don't i'm sorry i don't okay come on in guys please catskill mountain keeper friends and family who are just in the parade iris gillingham rowan gillingham west gillingham who's the program director for the catskill mountain keeper and that's our local environmental advocacy group it's based in youngsville new york uh, they also represent the entire Catskill region, which uh, we have seven counties throughout the Catskills. Wes, you've come in here with your kids, and you were just in the parade, and you were singing a song. We love the idea of the trout parade and having all these people come out and the community come out for this. So Mountain Keeper has been doing, since we started, we've been doing the the parade in some form or fashion, and it's always at the last minute. And yes. So we threw a bunch of stuff on our old farm wagon and, and came down here. But then I was thinking, well, everything about, you know, fish and streams and rivers and the crawdad song popped into my head. You get a line, I get a pole, honey. You get a line, I get a pole, babe. You get a line, I get a pole, babe. You get a line, I get a pole, babe. You get a line, I get a pole. We go down to the crowd at home, honey. Oh, sugar, babe, in mine. Gas drilling, right? We can't avoid it, so I've got these contaminated jugs of water from Dimmick, Pennsylvania, where they're doing the gas drilling. Uh, celebrating the trout. This is such a fun, beautiful celebration of both Livingston Manor, uh, community, who we are, this region, of course, the fish themselves who are thriving in these waters. So how do we wrap our minds around what is knocking on our door? Well, th I mean, this parade, it's actually... Um I mean, it's a really good example of a community recognizing the resource. Here's a community that comes out and celebrates the natural resources they have, which, you know, a few years ago they did an economic study in the Willowemock and Beaverkill region as to actually how much money was spent in this area. And I think, you know, that was part of people in this community realizing um, how blessed we are with um, intact ecosystems and healthy streams and that's attractive to people from all over the country and they come here for that and if drilling goes forward the way it's being proposed right now it's going to totally throw a wrench into that whole um, process not only are things like this this you know the community coming together for the parades being impacted by the um you know the industry just think of what today would be like right. if there was um 
you know, hundreds and hundreds of trucks going by and trying to get around through Livingston Manor while this was going on. And, and that's exactly what happened. They don't, they're not going to stop drilling because there's a trout parade. Well, and what would happen if there's no uncontaminated water, there's no more fresh water, so the fish are dying? Yeah, and here's, you know, you have the Willowemock, a world-famous trout stream, and the wastewater treatment facility for the you know, town of Rockland out here is underutilized because the, the chicken plant that used to be here. So they actually have a lot of capacity to take wastewater. They were approached by the drilling, drilling <laughs> companies. I think Ron needs to go. Okay, thank you for joining us. Okay, Wes is going to join you in a minute anyway. Thank you, Rowan. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, again, it just, uh, you know, the, this whole prospect and the industrialized process, that have, this, this will have an impact beyond our wildest dreams in terms of what it could do to a community, especially one like this where so much of what the community is revolves around natural resources. So you're, you're talking about also the economics of having clean resources and uh, the industries that grow around it that are such as, I mean, the economies, I should say, not to confuse it with what would become an industrialized site, right, if the drilling is allowed to expand throughout the county, but the economies such as, you mentioned, tourism, right, recreation, the great outdoor that we have here, things like that. So you're looking at those things in a way to battle the the prospects of gas drilling? Well, not even to just battle the prospects, but to just to get people aware of what this really means. I mean, the, the whole economic question, um, a lot of environmental groups have sort of stayed away from that. But really, when you look at the money that the gas industry brings into a community, it's very temporary. It's subject to, um, you know, extremes, you know, the whole boom and bust cycle that parts of other parts of the country have already ex- experienced. And, and then the other thing is when you're left with the degradation of the, of the industrial process, the cost to the community hasn't really, it hasn't, there hasn't been some really clear studies to show mm-hmm. what the actual impact and the, the eventual, you know, over the long term, what it's costing or what the community's getting. And uh, I would, I think there's a 20th century idea that, you know, it's the economy versus the environment. I mean, I think the mm. environment is our economy and we really need to recognize that. I mean, look what just happened in the Gulf. You know, you've got, right. I mean, yeah, it's, it's impacting whole other aspects, of the whole region, just because one extractive resource has, has made a big mistake. And they've made a big mistake because they they weren't um, being properly regulated and they were cutting corners like they usually do. Wes Gillingham, Program Director from Casco Mountain What a parade. I mean, parades are great, right? Aren't parades great? They're just wonderful. But this trout parade, there's something very special about it in its celebration. It's, it's, what, what is it? What would you say? It's a fiesta. Thank you, Larry. Lawrence just shared that with me. Uh, it really is. It's a fiesta. It celebrates so much. What What would we say? Uh, why have I no words? Lawrence, it's a good because thing you're it's here. Indescribable. Because it's indescribable. And it really is. You know, the, <laughs> I'm still getting over the, the, the waggle of 50 basset hounds. The huge, huge trout that, that takes how many? Ten people to carry. And the puppets and all that. The body puppets. Yeah. The whale float. The hula hoopers. We even had our legislator hula hooping down the main street of Livingston Manor. And what else? What am I forgetting about this parade? We had Miss... Sullivan County, 2010. You had the kids from the drama workshop. Kids from the drama workshop. Dancers. Hillary's helping me out now, too. The dancers from Roscoe Roscoe Dance Workshops. You have just this abundance of costumes. Of course, the seahorse, Stiltwalker, passing out the Mardi Gras beads. You know, we have all these amazing things. So this has been... A really fun trout parade that did not lack serious conversation as well about what's happening in this county as we face gas drilling and as we recognize all that's so precious and that we value so much here in our neighborhood. So I want to thank you all. Okay, cheers. Cheers. Not to mention the camaraderie. 
camaraderie. Thank you so much, Larry. From the kitchen table out on the road, I'm Sabrina Artel. And let me know what your favorite, possibly even the most indescribable, parade is in your community at trailertalk at gmail.com. Thanks for joining me for Sabrina Artel's Trailer Talk. The music for the show, Patti Smith, People Have the Power. Trailer Talk is produced by Sabrina Artel. For more information, please visit trailertalk.net. Special thanks to WJFF Radio Catskill and the numerous people who have donated their time, resources, and conversations to make Trailer Talk possible. Thank you all who joined me in these conversations. I'm 